You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hello, everybody. David Hall. Hey, hey. Greg Hectus. Hey, everybody. And Tony Groves. Yeah, he's there. I didn't hear him. His button's not working again. This week, uh, we get into all the news with the Coke draft and how is Bristol dirt shaping up for this year. And the 24 hours of Daytona is coming up really soon. Tons of hardware topics tonight. Don't forget that Grid Finder is the growing is growing fast, and that is good news. With nearly 1,000 leagues across 10 different sims and almost 200 iRacing leagues, this is the place to find your next league. League owners, get your leagues noticed and your grids filled. Remember, it is free to search and free to post your league. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. And with that, we're going to talk in topics. <laughs> Brian, World of Outlaws, Kokomo. Hey guys, uh, so uh, Monday night was round eight of the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Jink uh, iRacing World of Outlaws Championships. This week was at Kokomo Speedway. So um, coming into the, the event this week, uh, Alex Bergeron had just posted a 10-point lead over Hayden Carwell in the last race, um, and really nobody was even close to third. They're, they're actually more than a race worth of points ahead of third place, so um, it's definitely going to be a two-man battle for the rest of the season. So um, that being said, before I get into the results, I just want to let you know that Dirt Vision, who's been uh, the exclusive broadcaster of these races, um, I don't. I'm not able to watch these races live on Monday night. That's my league race night. So, um, so I have to watch the watch it from the vault, and uh, the vault has not been very good this year. This is the third time where they haven't posted the entire race event. So, if you go into Dirt Vision and the vault and go to watch the iRacing World Outlaw replay, it starts at lap one of the feature. So they completely skipped all of the uh, qualifying, all the heats, all the uh, consolation races. So, um, so our report's going to start from the first lap of the feature race, where Alex Bergeron has started on the pole and took an early lead in the feature with the Cardwell, who had uh, moved up from fourth after the first lap. By lap 10, Cardwell had made his way up to second and was following Bergeron outside of striking range as they worked their way through traffic. Then, with just six laps to go, Zane Smith spins in front of the leader, Alex Bergeron, and he can't avoid the collision, getting significant front-end damage. Yeah, but he kind of kind of had a stroke of good luck because uh, officially the, the yellow flag came out before he got up into that accident. So the car spun in front of him. The yellow flag officially came out, and then he hit him. So um, – it looked like he was going to drop back to the end of the field, but they, um, but the scoring loop went from when the caution came out. So he actually stayed at the front of the field. 
So, uh, so he got really lucky there, and he, and he resumed the race uh, after that yellow flag with six laps to go at the front of the field. But, um, but Hayden Cardwell, who was in second place at that time, he was able to avoid all the messes that uh, Alex Bergeron got tied up in. And uh, he kind of took advantage of Alex's car, which was not handling as well after he had that front end damage. So, uh, so uh, he was able to take the lead, and uh, Hayden Cardwell goes on to win the race. Uh, second place went to James Eden. Uh, and Tyler Shell took third. Alex Bergeron fell to fourth spot, which was good enough to maintain a razor-thin two-point lead over Cardwell heading into the ninth round at Monday at Williams Grove Speedway. Yeah, guys, so uh, Monday night is round nine, the penultimate round, where um, Alex Bergeron's he has got just a two-point lead. Williams Grove is known to be one of Alex Bergeron's best tracks. So um, that ought to be a really interesting race to watch to see maybe if he can put some distance between Cardwell going into the finale, which will be at the dirt track at Charlotte. So, um, so yeah, this next round is going to be really interesting. And, uh, man, it looks, it's like it's, it's going to be shaping up to be one heck of a finish to this uh, season. Our next item, Dylan Esports has an announcement from Justin Mullen, Manilo. I can never say this name. I'm almost like Mike when it comes to pronunciations. Uh, Justin Melillo reports that Team Dylan Esports has added Corey Vincent from the Renegades as well as Taylor Hurst, who got back in from the Pro Series for their 2021 lineup. All right. Very nice. Uh, there's a bunch of different uh, announcements here on the Coke Series. So, guys, it uh, looks like... Um... Dead Zone Racing is gonna has landed some two two really good drivers. Uh, Ryan Luza, who's like a perennial Coke Series championship contender, uh, as well as Dylan Duvall. So uh, they're really stacking their team over at Dead Zone Racing. Yeah, and we talked a little bit, Brian. Uh, it's confusing the front end teams and the back end teams. So this Dead Zone is a back end team. Uh, remember, they're not part of the draft. Uh, the draft teams they take two drivers only. These are the guys that work together on setup. And we did talk to somebody just recently on Dead Zone, and they have like a dozen people now in the Coke series. So, yeah, but Ryan Ryan loses is a huge get for any team. I mean, that's a that's as top a line driver as you can get. He's always right in the mix with the championships. Always seems like he wins a handful of races every season too. Yeah, he's always been there at the end uh, in the final, uh, going for it. It seems like uh, so. Yeah, that is a big get for them for sure. So this uh, second secondary back-end team is kind of like what uh, Elliot Sadler was leading up to this year before he got into as a main titles uh, team. Yeah, there'll be a front-end team and a back-end team, probably the only one like it. Especially with uh, VRS not being uh, no longer a sponsor of any of the Coke teams, right? Yep. What's the next one, Greg, we got? Uh, so we got uh, Kligerman Esports uh, posted up on his Twitter um it actually was a nice video too i don't know we don't have the video here do we um i didn't like the videos because they didn't have the names i was like trying to figure out okay who is who is it but some kind of corny video but we got the post after that it actually had the names yeah so it says we're happy uh we're beyond happy with the matches for 20 for 21 uh for for this year uh who would um you have swiped on so if if you're watching his thing it was about swiping on an app trying to pick a driver and i guess he's got bob bryant and uh isaac gain so perfect uh pickups there for uh park or Kligerman, uh esports uh gets the pro champion and then bob bob bryant who's been in the series for a while hasn't he 
Yeah, a good mix of a rookie driver with experienced driver, right? Definitely will help out. Yeah, and um, so uh, if you remember, this used to be Kligerman, uh, Burton Kligerman, right? And uh, Kligerman has taken over as the sole sole team owner. Uh, uh, Jeff Burton had uh, bowed out of this series um, and let, let Parker take over. So so this is his first, uh, first year as a uh, solo team owner man he 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 landed some pretty pretty good talent there with isaac gann and bob bryant you know like like mike was saying it's it's about as good a mix as experience and youth as uh as you you've seen in the series now it's actually called kligerman sport they used to be esport and he dropped the e and i don't think i'm gonna get used to that it'll probably be kligerman esports for to me <laughs> <laughs> like like the Coke Speedway, right? Right. It's always going to be the Bush series, guys. Or um, yeah, the next one. Uh, Stuart Haas announced uh, their drivers Graham Bolin and Dylan Duvall uh, for their roster. Um, not a bad pairing. Should be interesting how they run. I'm kind of surprised that uh, the one guy who works at Stuart Haas Racing, what's his name? Um, but he's a shock fabricator, but he's also a Coke driver. Um, it looks like uh, he's going to a different team, uh, and uh, I kind of didn't see that coming. It wasn't um, Graham Bolin, wasn't he with um, um, Joe Gibbs last Joe year? Joe Gibbs, he drove, right? He, he was drove in the, the 18. eighteen car. Yeah, so uh, that's man. Uh, that's a, that seems like a tough team to leave, um, Joe Gibbs. But um, Stuart Haas is no no slouch either. They're, they're they're a very good team as well. And we'll we'll turn to Tony and see if his mic works for the next one. I guess not. So we'll, uh, I'll take that one. It's Richmond Raceway Esports. Uh, this one was announced like literally an hour or so ago. Um, it was Zach Novak and Jimmy Mullis. And uh, now if you recall, um, not in 2020, but I think it was 2019, that was the original pairing for Richmond uh, Raceway Esports back then too. So they actually brought their drivers back. I thought that was kind of neat. Well, how about this video, Mike? This one's a little better done. You can actually see who it is. They got the names up there. They got the whole nine yards. A little bit of flash for uh, Richmond uh, Speedway even. Yeah, I did see that. I did hear you this time. All right. I think um, I think last year was the first year that Novak and Mullins were together because it oh, was, was it? the first year. Yeah, they weren't together the year before because the year before was when the teams uh, kind of drafted the the. The drivers, so they didn't really have any say. And um, if I if I'm not misunderstood, I think uh, Jimmy Mullins and Zach Novak are really good friends, and uh, I think they kind of orchestrated them being on the same team last year and again this year. Makes sense. So, how do we always prove? Is it a, is it a GIF or is it a GIF? I don't know. Well, 2020. I'm going to say GIFs. That's how I normally pronounce it. Yeah, GIF, GIFs peanut butter. The creator <laughs> called it a GIF. Okay, so uh, 2020 gifts of the year or GIFs. Um, we go here to uh, is this off of NASCAR.com? Yeah, I race NASCAR. GIF. Or sorry, yeah, it's 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 on NASCAR.com, but but part five is exclusively iRacing stuff on the NASCAR website. So this is part five of series of series of 2020 gifts, um, and and part five was all iRacing things. Yeah, so I just brought it up here, um, showing here. So it's just basically a bunch of moments like Clint Boyer getting frustrated, uh, William Byron winning, Jimmy Johnson in the grass, a bunch of wrecks, just different things like that that were 
I guess, more used uh, gifs, gifs of uh, 2020. This brings back yeah. some memories. Landon Castle in his shorts. Oh, the last one is the most epic, though. You got to look at the Absolutely. last one. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree, Dave. It'll- I, I like the uh, the one at the North Wilkesboro where the guy hit the the opening in the wall and sent it sailing. Well, the, the last one is Denny's rig getting shut off by his daughter. I totally forgot about that until I saw this again. I forgot that yeah. she ended up doing that. Seems like seems like ten years ago, doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah, the 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 look on her face is just precious when she realized she turned off his monitor right in the middle of his race. It was it was adorable. Yeah, he she looked like a little like oh no, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If she could swear, she would say to owe something right there. I wonder if Denny told her to go play in the dirt. She might have. Uh, speaking of dirt, uh, Bristol Motor Speedway posted a video of uh, of what arrived at their facilities today. This was from a couple of days ago, but uh, it shows a video of uh, dump trucks dropping off loads of dirt for their uh, NASCAR dirt event coming up this this year. So. Um, so uh, in that thread, Aaron Bearden asked if there was any chance of Bristol Dirt on iRacing for this year, and Steve Myers responded to the thread by saying, "Already being worked on." So, so guys, it Ooh. looks like the Bristol Dirt may be here in time for that race, uh, which I believe is at the end of May or end of March. Is that? I wonder how long it takes them to put this all down because obviously. It's what January, right? So we're looking at what two months away. It's it seems kind of early, yeah. doesn't it? It does. Yeah, but it's the next event they have, so might as well get it in place. Now, what you see yeah. there on screen is actually sawdust. So they actually brought in a layer of sawdust, covered the entire track with it, and then they put the dirt on top of the sawdust. I wonder what the co- I wonder what the cost of this is going would be just just the amount of truckloads and things like that. Uh, and machinery just to move this stuff around. Well, and it's got to be a good quality dirt too. It can't have rocks in it and all that, right? Yeah, you don't want want these cars throwing rocks up into the stands or nothing, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear that iRacing is definitely, uh, you know, working on getting a scan. And um, yeah, that'll be good if they can get it out in time for the actual race. Yeah, guys, and I I looked into um, to the World Outlaw stuff, and they actually have events at Bristol. The whole month of April. So after the guys from NASCAR are, are, are done at Bristol, they're going to be keeping the dirt there for at least another month while World of Outlaws just holds basically one event after the next all the month, all month of April. So they're not, they're going to be getting a, you know, which only makes sense to bring all this, you know, make, spend all this money to bring all the dirt in to have one race and then clean it all up. You know, you might as well use it for as much as you can and get as much out of that before you got to clean it up for the next uh, NASCAR race at the end, you know, towards the end of the season. We've been talking, if you run for NIS, how you're going to have to be pretty good at road because there's the increased amount of road circuits on the NIS schedule, but Hey, you got to be pretty good at dirt oval too. Uh, you know, cause you got to get a start there and a finish and, um, I, I'm not very good at it, but I do run some dirt oval just to try to learn it. Um, I guess I should try some more. It'll be interesting in a cup car. It's a whole different uh, beast than say something like a late model or or uh, street stock. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I've raced um, the trucks when they had the Eldora races there, and um, 
Yeah, it's it's different than running a dirt car. Um, you know, I'm used. I've run a lot of the sprint cars and stuff on on dirt ovals, but um, it it's really really much different to drive one in a in a stock car. It's a it's so you got to be so gentle on the throttle, uh, getting around those corners. It's it's really it's really a little bit different, but um, yeah, it's something that you're going to want to work on a good bit before that race comes up. So hopefully they get that if they do get that track released before the NIS goes there. Hopefully they do it with enough time so people can get some time around there and get some practice in. Yeah, I, w- I was multitasking. I was multitasking a little bit. Did we mention Steve Meyer's reply to yep. Aaron Bearden? We did. Okay. Well, we talk all the time about how iRacing is more than just a game. It's a, it's a sim and it's a community. Um, and so this time we have some bad news to report uh, or sad news. Uh, Alan Pajari is running our, he runs our winter series league that, that me and Mike have been running in. And he had, had to regretfully announce the passing of fellow racer and one up motorsports team member, Jason K. Miller. He was known to the, his fellow racers as junior and was described by Alan as a tremendous person who was funny, thoughtful, and serious when the situation asked for it. Christian Chandler also added that Jason Miller was one of the unspoken greats of iRacing oval communities. Um, and he always had time for everyone, and he raced with respect. And he, would, he was an absolute masterclass on how to conduct yourself. Yeah, I've raced with Junior in the past. Um, when he was with one up motorsports, remember that's where Tyler Hudson raced when he was in the Coke series. Um, Christian was on that team and Alan and several other people, but I, I raced with him in the integrity racing league, a real soft spoken guy, but he was a setup guy. He did the setups. He was really good at springs and shocks and that kind of thing. Um, there were other, uh, condolences on Facebook from Sim auto racing association, uh, they they put out some comments uh, as well. Um, a lot of people uh, were touched by Junior, and it's uh, really sad to lose him. Yeah, it's a sad story all the way around. Um, and and the way that everybody found out about his passing was actually from um, his parents. His mom and dad actually wound up having to use his account to announce uh, to uh, all of his friends who probably been asking him where he's been and stuff because he had been. Um, in the hospital for a little while before, before his passing. So, um, so they probably were texting him or messaging him how he's doing. And, uh, his parents are the ones who had to write this letter to let him know, you know, of of the sad news that, that they broke to all of his friends. Yeah. Jacob Fife uh, posted on Twitter. Sorry to hear for his passing. He was such a great person to race with in integrity racing league, uh, prayers put to his family. And many others. So, uh, Godspeed, uh, Jason. Next up, let's talk the Porsche race. Uh, before it started, uh, we Apex Race Team announced the new Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing Esport Team will have Kevin Ellis Jr. and Zach Campbell as its drivers for the 2021 Porsche Tag Heuer Super Cup season. And uh, what a timely announcement, because guess what? Kevin Ellis uh, ended up doing it and getting it done. Yeah, right. not long after that announcement, um, Kevin Ellis Jr., he, he goes on to win the opening stage of the Porsche Super Cup race, uh, the uh, Porsche Tag Heuer 
Porsche Super Cup race at Interlagos is where that race was uh, held. It's uh, Max Penicky. He he just narrowly uh, edged out Mitchell Dijon in the third place for that race. Um, so uh, I mentioned last week that I was kind of excited to see this uh, this season begin, and and uh, yeah, I watched the whole thing. It was a really good race. Um, just guys, uh, some of the things that I had noticed during the broadcast is that some of the drivers were saying um, that it was almost like restrictor plate racing on that track. It was very draft dependent. Um, cars kind of would get in line and it was a little tough to pass. So uh, that's one of the things that I remember hearing them talking about on the broadcast, uh, as well as um, they were really surprised how well some of the rookies were doing in that race. Uh, so there was, a, I think, a fifth place was a rookie. Um, and uh, yeah, so it made me think of this Coke season coming up because there's a lot of really good rookies coming up in the Coke series. So I think this might be a uh, premonition of things that come in Coke where we're going to see some some uh, rookies in the series really, really uh, sh shining and uh, making their name. I think the personalities of the entire season and race are going to are every race is just going to have a new character with with such an infusion of new blood. The uh, front stretch there, uh, Brazil, is it, very draft dependent. And you're, you're right. They were like, they have a neat replay here. And it looks like they're almost pack racing. They're side by side. And the guy right behind them, and he kind of squeezes into the middle of them. He, there's just enough gap. And and then they're in almost three wide going down into turn one. It uh, looks pretty exciting. And um, before before this race started, um, they broadcasted an all-star race in the in the, in the Porsche cars. And, uh, I wasn't expecting that, but I watched a little bit of that too. Um, it has some, some, uh, prominent, uh, broadcasters. Uh, Jimmy Broadbent was in the race. Um, I can't remember his name, but the gentleman who runs uh, boosted media, who's a, a website I go to a lot. He's got a YouTube channel where he does a lot of reviews and stuff. He was a driver and they always are, they're going to be adding at least one actual Porsche, um, factory driver in that series as well in that all-star series. So it was pretty neat to watch that too. Well, they did a when I watched it, uh, Brian. They did a double race, so they inverted the field on the second race at how they finished. Um, it was kind of it's kind of interesting because it was more of like a, I kind of have that second though that that race is more of like a I'm reminding me of like a streamers race. Like it was all the prominent um, people like on social media and things like that. Exactly. That was the all-star race. And then they do the double race after the all-star race. So after the all-star race, they do the first, first, the, do the qualifying for the Porsche Super Cup. Then they do the uh, the first race and then they do the invert and then they do the final race. So there was some qualifying controversy again. Um, I pulled the story because I couldn't get a second source on it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Apparently they were uh, holding the brakes while hitting the gas on the outlap of the uh, qualifying run uh, to try to heat up the brakes um, kind of thing. Um, and the tweet that I saw indicated that iRacing was thinking there's that nothing was wrong. They didn't violate any kind of rule, which is no donuts, no pushing the car against the, uh, the wall and, and, and burning out or uh, coming to an abrupt stop and then go and stop and go. These guys were going like 20, 30 mile an hour, holding the gas and the brake and not stopping. And apparently uh, that's something that can be done. 
Um, but more to come on that when I can get a second source. Well, the thing is, Mike, even if it was like if the, they have those rules for the, the, the cheating part where they're doing the burnouts and stuff like that in real life, like if you watch an F1 get ready to go out and qualifying on their outlap, they're swerving back and forth, heating the tires, they're speeding up, slowing down and getting their brakes all set. Like, I don't, I'm guessing they were trying to build up pressure on their front of the front tires to have because of the heat and the brakes. Cause it's probably the only one quick way of doing it. But you know, we don't have an accurate braking model too to like get the brakes hot to be, you know, braking um, more efficiently. It's just there, but it's, you can create heat to get more uh, grip out of the front tires or the rear tires um, in doing it. So I don't see, I see that as just a tactic that they normally do in kind of real life with, getting the cars ready right no well they specifically yeah, said it's it's not in the rules and it's it's not it's not outlawed in the rules and it also is not getting detected by the anti-cheat system with the code that that does detect the other methods that are uh, listed in the rules yeah but who's to say irising is not going to make another change so uh, with them all doing that this week maybe that could be something they add i don't know well, that's pretty standard in racing. It, uh, you come up with something, and then iRacing or whatever sanctioning body says, okay, well, you can't do that anymore. That's just that's the natural evolution of the arms race of the sanctioning body versus the racers. Yeah, you, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? Um, <laughs> a couple, couple quick notes from that, uh, from that Porsche race also. Um, last year's series champion, Sebastian Job. He actually got a disconnect in the middle of that race. He oh. was uh, he was in the top ten. He was pushing forward, man. He got a disconnect and wound up finishing uh, two laps down. So he's he he got no points in that race yesterday. So that's a that's a heartbreaker for Sebastian. And uh, the the series champion uh, the year before that, um, Josh Rogers. He actually um, he was trying to make a pass on the inside of a car on a right hand turn. Uh, he jumped the turtle and wound up crashing the car, him himself in the car next to him. And he actually fell back to the 21st or 22nd, somewhere around there. So Josh Rogers just got minimal points in that race. So, so man, this series opened up real quick the first week with, uh, with somebody who's never won this uh, series championship for. I think I have the, the next uh, thing we have here about this, uh, Brian, too, is – I think it's on that video. You can see um, that incident happening with Rogers. Um, it, it looks like it's on the opening lap. Um, it looks like, cause I think it's his car. I can't tell from the video, but it looks like um, it'd be, it might be his car, but uh, I could be wrong. Um, but anyways, uh, Kevin Ellis, his race was, uh, was a crazy race in the first place. Cause I guess he started from P 13 uh, and he posted up on his Twitter the replay of his first lap, um, and that's man, it's it was an interesting first lap that uh, showed up. Um, almost, I don't, do you guys notice in the one part of the video? Does is his screen glitching on the right side there? Did you notice that in the the grass goes away? No, I didn't see that, but he was making hay on that first lap, uh, getting positions for sure. About the one thirty mark, there's it looks like the grass is missing. Yeah, it's all blue right there. Yeah, I saw. No, that. that's that's actually part of the track. That's actually in the track. You I could see. see it from. Um, you could see it in the in the re in the actual broadcast. They actually race up on that blue blue surface, whatever it is there. 
they must have changed something on that track. I, I don't remember seeing it, but, uh, you know, I wasn't paying attention to, as fully to the race. I was kind of listening to it the other day. So that's um, interesting to see that. But what a first lap from uh, the winner, Kevin Ellis. So where's another place where we tend to do a lot of drafting, even in the road cars? That's a swing and a miss, Tony. Uh, sorry about that. Kind of got lost. And I, I saw this. You guys put my name on it. And I got a little excited because, well, this is how I would like to practice for the 24 hours of Daytona. But Casey Kerwin uh, posted up on the on the Twitter that uh, his testing is going well, except, uh, you know, they're just kind of sticking to the ovals and looks like they're having a, a heck of a time. Draft practice, right? It's important. <laughs> Though they were, they must have had penalties turned off or something because they are running right through the cones. It was in the road course configuration. It could have been at the end of their practice. They could have just finished it off that way. But All right. Yeah, it looks like they were having a good time, really. Uh, I think I think that was the case. It's amazing how well the LMP was pushing the Corvette there. It looks like there was about 14 minutes left in the practice. That's plenty of time for shenanigans. So neat little practice. Uh, Mike gets to tell us about the uh, details. The event is not this weekend, but next. So it's coming quick, guys. Um, so next uh, 22nd through the 24th, there's two time slots, the Friday night and then the uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, 8 a.m. Eastern. So if you guys choke on the first start, you can maybe make the second start. Um, I think we're shooting for the first one, guys, um, right? But uh, D license 4.0 or higher, which means C. Uh, some people had to kind of work for that the, uh, the last couple of weeks uh, on our team. Whether a dynamic split is by I rating, field size 55. And uh, what do you guys think? Are we all set for this or we got our teams decided? Yeah, it looks like we've got a couple lined up. We've, we've got the, kind of the iRacing main team, which uh, the Tonys are, are forming together. And me and Greg are going to link up with, uh, with the Elite West guys and, and have, a, have a... So we got two pretty large teams, which means everybody's going to have a lighter race load. Well, and it's nice that, you know, um, I guess, would you guys label your team as the fun team? We are the fun team. That's right. So it's nice that, you know, David and I are off, in, you know, with the guys that uh, some other guys that we're going to try and we're going to, I guess we're going to try and compete for a win. And you guys uh, can feel comfortable doing what you guys want to do, right? Because you guys aren't road guys. You don't race as much very often as that too. We're going to try and not crash on lap one. Anything after well, that is a win. The, the ultimate, what what is going to determine how just about everybody finishes is always whether you get have to sit in the garage or not. Um. Even the one that we almost won a couple of years ago, the car was hurt, and and we had lost time to that, and also the car just wouldn't go as fast. So yeah, keeping the car clean is the secret. Whether whether you're fast or not, it's just don't wreck. There's no cautions, nothing that regroups everybody. Couple of tips though, uh, for everybody out there that plans on running this, especially if you don't have experience uh, in multi-class. Get uh, Ems is there next week. You have to get up to B class, but Ems is there next week. Run some and just get used to being, get, especially if you're going to run like the GT3, get used to how quick those LMP2s close down on you and they will dive bomb you. Hey, David, uh, even if you don't have that B license yet, can't you still get in the practice session with them? I think you can, can't you? I, I believe so, yeah. 
Okay, so at least if you can't get into the race, you can get into a practice session, multi-class, and uh, at least get some practice that way with faster cars coming up on you and whatnot. And if well, you don't... Go, sorry, ahead. go ahead, David. No, go right. ahead, David. If you don't care about your I rating, all you got to do to get a B class is run a couple of races there, and you'll get enough corners that you just start shooting up like crazy, and you can get your B license in three or four races. You'll tank your I rating because you're going to want to sit back and just not not race anybody. You're just going to want to survive. But that's that's how you get the that's how you get your license up. Also, um, don't forget that you have to register the drivers that are actually going to run because that's how the I-rating split will be done this time. You can't log in with your 500 I-rating driver and then start the race with your 3,000 I-rating guy and have him not, not count towards the split. So everybody has to go click join or register at the beginning? Nope. Whoever registers the, the race clicks which drivers on the team are going to participate and if one of those guys doesn't meet the minimum you get disqualified wow yeah it's basically done through the ui now so you're going to be registering in the ui with the team and creating it right david nope you can actually still register as a team in the web on the website and it pops the same questions up okay well and we're gonna i guess we'll circle back next week to remind everybody to uh of this just uh as a refresher but um yeah it'll be Definitely get some laps in, like David said, just because you need to know where you can actually make your time, your passes to. Like if you if you're coming up on uh, a car and you don't you don't want to do what David said there, you don't want to be the car either getting die bombed or having to if you're in the faster car, make that choice that where you're doing because you, there's the part of the infield. If you get stuck behind the car, you're gonna have to stay behind it until you get up to the high speed section. That's pretty much basically where you get a lot of the thing unless you can get the run between uh some of the corners but some of that time it's really hard depending on the person too that you're trying to pass if you can predict what they're doing and there's there's dive bombs that are predictable dive bombs that don't catch you off guard and uh, all the slower car ends up doing is having to break just a little early and that actually doesn't lose any time uh and knowing when those are and when those aren't whether you're the slower car or the faster car comes comes from running both both classes at, at some point all right so um so i'm assuming once you register and uh, add your extra drivers that are going to be in your team that 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 team is locked in place you're not going to be able to make any adjustments to that at all right correct Just, another go ahead i was going to say but if everybody's on it they all have to compete too right you don't have to you only have to only the people who were registered for whoever registers the team have to compete. You can have 20 people on the team and you register four and you race those four. So I would say make sure you guys make uh, your team fun up there and get it ready and set before uh, before that morning comes up. So if you if you have your four drivers and then you start the event starts and all of a sudden somebody uh, can't make it, is that going to hurt you if he doesn't get into the session? Yeah, yeah, you'll get disqualified. Okay, so he's, um, so he's got to do at least one stint, I imagine. Two. To two. qualify. It'll, it'll be, yeah, it'll at be, least two? Okay. Yeah. You could have somebody run 22 hours and another person run two, and the fair share work, works out that way. Okay. Based on their based on their rules. What's a stint Next considered? Uh, fuel what, tank. Yeah, a fuel tank. And that that's actually, uh, that's an hour. I actually don't know if two stints in the LMP2 works because that's, those stints are only 35 minutes. So they may have to run three stints. Yeah. I think it's like two hours. Yeah. Yeah. The okay. GT, 
the cool. GTEs are always usually an hour. They can last an hour on their tank, close to it. We talked about a couple of years ago a spreadsheet that that we used to plan it, and we've actually already got the one running for for Elite West, and four of the drivers have already marked their times that they're available. And uh, we've got the lap times af- after in yet. Yeah, Greg, he's pointing at himself because he didn't. I didn't. He, he, he probably will like the day of the race. Um, but, yeah, we've got that all set up to, to, to sort it out. Um, but <laughs> um, we've talked about – I'm going to transition just a little because we're, we're beating on this one a little bit. Uh, we've talked about – uh, recently that we know Christian Chandler's new role at iRacing is focusing a lot on the balance of the cars. Uh, and they do have that balancing done for the, for the Daytona event. One might ask why balance for just the one event? Well, a major event like this, even though they may balance the cars to work for a whole series, they may still make a change for a specific race too. That's and the real series does that as well. So Brian's going to tell us a little bit more of the specifics. Okay, guys. So yeah. So here's the here's how the uh, cars are going to be adjusted. So um, in the GTE class, um, the BMW M8 have no change at all. So the weight, no weight penalty, no power reduction, nothing. Uh, the Corvette is going to get a five kilogram weight added to it. Um, the Ferrari 488 is going to have a power reduction of one percent. Uh, so the Porsche 911 RSR is going to have a five kilogram weight penalty and a power reduction of 1%. So, uh, that's, that's the GTE class and how, how those cars are going to be adjusted for balance of power. And in the GT3, the BMW M4 will have no, uh, no adjustments at all, but the Lamborghini, the Huracan, uh, GT3 will have a 10 kilogram weight penalty and actually have a fuel limit of 99 percent so uh so they're really uh hitting the lamborghini hard with the weight penalty there which matches up with what we saw um a couple weeks ago when they were testing these cars and the lamborghini was faster in a lot of categories um you would expect that one to get the heaviest penalty and it did i also sorry david i I was gonna say i wonder why if they're penalizing it more because of um like they're trying to make the i bet you they're trying to make the because pit stops are the biggest thing here where you can save time on so you got to try and make sure all the cars are making the same amount of pit stops over the whole 24 hours so that not say i get in the lamborghini and i have to do two less or one less it kind of is unfair that way um so they're putting weight on it probably to burn more fuel and then they just whatever to make it a little bit even they've taken a little percentage of the fuel off of it um to even it up the last little bit but that that's pretty much one of the reasons they're putting weight on is to burn fuel and and slow it down just a bit that's one of the that definitely can be a factor if the advantage is too big uh they generally don't want the fastest car to also have the best fuel range they might be okay with a slightly slower car having the best fuel range and they actually got a little caught off guard at spa greg did you run with this did you get to run with this one grand spa no, you guys did okay. the uh, McLaren, right? We ran the McLaren, and we discovered that it ran. Uh, it had a huge tank. Like the Porsche has a 99 liter. The the well, the Porsche GTE. The McLaren has a hundred and thirty something liters, I believe. It was it was going three or four laps further than every other car, and we literally got two less pit stops and gained a ton of spots that way. Well, on at Spa, that's a three and a half minute lap. Probably in it's, that car. It's a longer lap. Three minute lap. 
Yeah, it's a huge lap, but also it's a huge pit lane. Pit stops are not as big of a deal in uh, Daytona. Uh, if you come in for just a splash of fuel, you can be in and out of there in less than 30 seconds and only lose about 30 seconds time. Well, and over the race, a lot of the, the mindset is kind of going to be the same. Don't take tires as many times as you can to try and just do um, fuel so you can get in and out faster. Yep. But you got to balance, right, depending on when to put those tires on to, to make sure you have good time or good lap times when you need them. It's pretty simple math. If you lose more time running slower than you saved on pit road, then that's the wrong choice. Basically, at Daytona, if you're losing more than a second a lap, you're better off getting the tires. If you're losing only about a half a second a lap, you're better off not getting tires. Speaking of something that's uh, lost a whole bunch of stuff here, David, on the next topic. Yeah, I got I got wind of this topic almost as soon as Christian posted because one of the first people he warned was the entire Pacific Majors League. He, he hopped in the MTech forum and said, hey, guys, you need to check this out because the LMP2 is getting changed. Uh, they took they did a major adjustment on it to to match some real life rule changes. They basically took forty house horsepower from it and did a few things with the tire warmers. They changed some of the camber limits. Uh, it's a little bit harder to get the camber into the or get the tire into the road. They changed uh, or they I guess they introduced push rod and and third pin length adjustments to help adjust some of this as well. In the post. Christian goes ahead and gives you some tips on what it will do to the setup that you've already been working on. And I think Rishi's already done, taken a few uh, laps on in it and made some adjustments to our set for next week. Well, I'm, and I was worried when we first, when you first posted this out, because I'm like, you, I haven't set a lap time yet for qualifying for the majors. And there was a bunch showing up there for this weekend's 2.4, but it looks like all the lap, all the qualifying times got deleted, so they're going to have to redo them all. Correct. They they raced the pre qualifying for for the majors. So I tried to read what these additions were: the push rod length and the third pin length, and psh, right over my head. I don't know what the heck it is. Ditto. <laughs> Essentially, they slowed them. They slowed them down. It, they basically wanted to slow them down to make them match the real car. So, David, do you have a, an idea how big a change in your setups you're going to have to make in order to compensate for these changes? Mm, no, because I don't do the setups. <laughs> well, it's, it's, from reading what uh, Richie and them were saying, is it's not a huge deal, but the the bigger problem is is the less camber that you can run in it. Um, so we were noticing that through the bus stop and stuff with some what we had before. Um, the car wasn't turning, I guess, as well to get through the bus stop. Kirby actually said that the bus stop feels better, but that they're that it's just tighter. It's not turning as well. And so, Dave, you said that these. I'm sorry. Go ahead, buddy. No, I was going to go ahead, Brian. I, I was just going to iterate on what Dave was saying. Uh, so, you said that um, these changes are in relation to actual changes made in the real series, right? Yes. Okay. It sounded to me like the car was obviously making too much power. If obviously they've reduced 40 horsepower at 6%, that's a lot out of the motor. You know, it's a pretty big difference, especially that we're losing what it says almost a, a second, second and a half of lap time. So, you know, you're losing a lot of that on the straightaways. So or you're losing most of it on the straightaways because of it and the acceleration part of it. So uh, that's going to be a little bit more challenging. They said it's not a big deal passing the slower 
classes, especially the GTEs. But you know, it, it's still you'll have to change your you'll have to adjust where you thought you might be able to catch a GTE, you might not catch them as fast as you normally would. Um, you know, you exit off to get onto the big stretch or uh, onto the back stretch. Normally, you might get get to them before the bus stop at a certain length, but now maybe you're not going to get to them. Yeah, and just to wrap up the the whole 24-hour topic, uh, something else I wanted to add on the the balancing. The balancing for Daytona is it's a different track than any of the other road courses. I, I run every week at least either an IMSA or a Euro Series, um, and no racetrack has the same personality as the Daytona Roval. Not even the Charlotte Roval. It's just a it's a whole different monster, and different advantages in the different cars are exaggerated at that track. I think it's such a unique track because I associate the long distance races or like 24 hours to a longer track, right? Not, you know, Daytona's a quick a quick lap. It's not you're doing a lot of laps in in that 24 hours, especially in the LMP2s. We're calculating 790 net laps if or 99 laps I think if everything goes right. So, you never know, we might have to stretch some of that fuel. Well, here's something that uh, I guess last week it was a stretch for us to talk about, but now it looks like, you know, Mike, you posted this up on our thing here. So Denny Hamlin posted on a tweet out um, in response to, I guess, Bubba Wallace posted uh, debating on whether to update his iRacing account. Uh, haven't used it since he wait, rage quit. Um, all this SLM talk from uh, Landon Huffman got me itching. <laughs> Denny Hamlin posted, Hey driver, I think you're gonna have to hashtag pro invitational. So you, so Sounds Mike, like you it's took confirmed that, to me. Yeah, so it's just kind of interesting how he quickly did it that way. It was, it was, I'm wondering if it was set up that way, but between the two of them, but it, it's definitely a, an interesting tweet. Well, you're talking about employer and employee as well. Um, you got to remember, uh, one's driving for the other. Um, you tell this employee, yeah, I expect you there, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But yeah, it certainly looks like the cup drivers are going to be running the pro invitational. I wonder if so, Denny will make him stretch, uh, stretch before he races. Yeah, I got to go uh, two times on that transition, huh? Um, oh boy, oh boy. There we go. Uh, Cameron Gridley shared in uh, the iRacing forums that he routinely stretches before his sessions, and. Uh, it's to help with some old injuries and stuff that he's got. I was kind of wondering if others do that. Um, I know personally, I'm kind of in the, in the same boat. I got issues galore. Lots of fun when I was younger. Um, I don't always have to, but you know, if it's rainy or cold, cold weather season. Um, yeah, I got to do a little stretching and cracking of some joints to, to get them loosened up and just to be able to sit down for a couple of hours. Uh, so once in a while for me, what about you guys? Oh, I, uh, I stretched to reach to get my drink from a, on the desk to the 12 hours the, curl. Yeah. About that. And, uh, and maybe to turn my wheel on is a little bit of a stretch, but even that, well, it, they did vote 225 votes. Uh, 74% said, Nope. And 26%. Yep. They do stretching before driving. I got an arm that likes to go to sleep if I don't uh, get my one shoulder working. So I got to usually move that one around. But uh, summertime, nope, don't need to stretch. Everything works good then. 
you know, when I read this, I was thinking it's not a bad idea to do it. You know, maybe I need to change and, and start doing it because there's times when I get out of a race and my right shoulder or somewhere my outside of my arm is sore. I've got a lot of force feedback in this wheel and, uh, and in certain races, certain tracks, uh, I walk away kind of sore. So maybe stretching would help that. Mike, you're not going to take that stretching time out of your practice time, are you? Ooh, then there's nothing left, right? <laughs> Touche, huh? Um, I, I've noticed I've been stretching sometimes when I strap my seatbelts in and I can't reach something. Um, so, I, so I stretch <laughs> this, really this seems like This seems like a single problem for Brian. <laughs> I think our title episode title is going to have to have something to do with stretching for sure this week. Uh, did you have to stretch to get to your wallet to pay for all that stuff, Brian? No, that that flies out pretty quick, actually. Stretching the bank account. There you go. Stretching my retirement. All right. Next up, a, a community iRacing Discord. Eric Barillo from Lazy Days Racing uh, set up an open community Discord channel for racers from every corner of the world to chill, talk racing, and have a place to race anything they want. Uh, he did put it up in the forums, a, a Discord invite. Uh, I went ahead and uh, joined it as well, and just to try to get into the conversation. Uh, it's always good uh, with the different kind of uh, media platforms, uh, deplatforming people and people moving from one thing to another. Why not start another one? So uh, jump in, guys. So uh, you said you're in there, Mike, right? I did. I did join it and looked at some of the posts uh, when I uh, the first time I saw it. Yeah. So what's your what's your thoughts on it so far? I haven't haven't logged into that yet. I'm kind of it's kind of like you know any other Facebook group on iRacing, you know, where people are talking. Uh, hey, you know, did I uh, did I mess this? You know, did I wreck this guy? And they show a video or, hey, I, I want to buy a wheel. What should I get? You know, those kind of things. If it's posting videos, David needs to be part of that. I already have my places. Will this computer run iRacing? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so there's some other ways that you can get information from iRacing. Um, if you go to uh, iRacing.com, uh, Tyler Hudson, he announced in the forums that if you go to iRacing.com, you will be prompted to ask, it asks you if you want to get texts to your mobile device directly from iRacing. So uh, yeah, if you go to iRacing.com, it'll say, uh, it'll ask you get texts from iRacing. You can sign up for it by just putting in your mobile number. Uh, and then it'll, um, then you can option whether you want to get text no notifications regarding championship live events or, and or special offers. So you can, you can select each of those or one of those individually, however you want to do it. Um, so yeah, so, uh, so, you know, if a race comes up that you forgot that you wanted to watch, you will get a text and say, hey, the Porsche race is coming up. Don't forget. Uh, check it out. So um, I don't know what special offers they get. It seems like there's, they're kind of limited on what special offers you ever get from iRacing other than Black Friday deals. But uh, maybe there's some other things that uh, that they're getting ready to gear up on. So uh, so I did I did wind up uh, go ahead and sign up on yep, that. Me too. Um, I haven't gotten anything yet, so it's not like it's a, it's gonna bug you to death. So it seems like it's so far, uh, seems like it might be a pretty cool. So I I did it, and uh, next time a big race comes up, I expect to get a text to let me know about it. 
They need to include a text that goes off about two or three hours before the downtime so you don't sign up for a race and then have your heart broken when you're leading it and it shuts down five laps from the end of the race. I wonder I wonder if they'll text you to let you know time zone changes for uh, daylight savings so you don't miss races or anything. Ooh, there you go. That's a good idea. <laughs> what I realized when I went to sign up for this is I have not been at iRacing.com page in a do, in a 10 years or something. I don't know how long it's been, but I realized I've never go to that website. You know, we're always going to members.iracing.com. And uh, I just never have gone to iRacing.com and it was all new to me. I was like, wow, I haven't seen this in a long time. Well, we associate the main members page as the iRacing.com, right? That's kind of how I always thought. Yeah, I know there's a separate site, but I always, you know, once you're a member, you'd really, do you really need the site? Well, you're right, Greg, because when I f- first saw this article or this post, I immediately went to members.iracing.com looking for the place to sign up. And then I had to look again and he, it, no, it's at the front page, the iRacing.com. Why, yeah. why wouldn't it be, sorry, sorry, Brian, why wouldn't it be part of the members part too? Well, like, well, because you can you can still watch these races on YouTube and whatever for the championship series without being a member, you know? If, uh, you, know, if you just like watching some of these races, I guess. I was just thinking that way you don't both, have to be having both, right? Like you, you could be signing up, you know, they're lose, they're just limiting to one place to sign up from. If you don't know, you know, at least it would be on the page that you're always on as a driver. I don't know. I think a lot of drivers are going to miss out on this because they won't ever see it. Just like I said, the, we don't go to that front page. No. And, and with the UI, you, some people probably don't even get well i always go to the just straight to the sessions pages in the web on the website still i just bookmark those and go straight to euro or imza it's pretty much the same thing i do so speaking of sessions pages uh last year they had this nice little series that we got to run a couple of times uh greg west announced the 2021 bmw sim gt cup It's going to be divided into two seasons this year with a total of 10 races taking place all year. Um, There's going to be a total prize purse of 4,200 US dollars, not Canadian. It'd have to be like, you know, 30,000. It's up for grabs in the top three teams in the first four races. This is hard to do when you're seeing everybody laugh on Discord, by the way. Um, The races are going to be 120 laps or no, 120 minutes long. That would be terrible. Uh, and they include a mandatory That's driver changeover. Canadian. That's the same <laughs> Canadian. The dates have already been confirmed for season one in the BMW with the opening round taking place at the virtual Daytona International Speedway on the 17th of January. So that's this week. That's coming this up. Weekend. Yeah. My birthday. And that is that is that on Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. So it's right on top of majors, isn't it? Hmm. But it's early in the day. We might have to we have to run this. Um, the events are teams with two minimum of two drivers with a fair share, and really with two drivers in a GTE, the the fuel range is is right at a, an an hour. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I wish they would reduce the tank size just a little because we the couple of times we did run this, it was simply do you run hard and pit once or run hard not as hard and pit twice and, and I, I don't I don't know if I like that I mean some people might like that particular strategy but putting it right on the putting it literally right on that that 
borderline window right on the edge of it it, it just changes the race for me that's definitely Need to be 130 good, minutes or it's definitely either, a good combination sorry david yeah either either bump it up to 130 minutes or just make it a 90 percent tank just cut down the size of the tank a little that's what they do in imsa so that you have to pit even though it's only a 45 minute race we'll have to talk about that one i guess eh, david yeah we'll see there is a lot, definitely a lot of stuff going on this weekend. What day, what time is it at? Do new. I'll Let's have see. to check. Well, how about them? I racing colors uh, back in the winter circle at the uh, at the Chili Bowl. I mean, it's probably not too big of a surprise that uh, Bell put it into victory lane, but um, yeah, he put the I racing uh, colored midget. It was I the think very... that was yesterday, was it not? The Race of Champions one. That was two days ago, actually. Oh, two days ago. Okay. Yeah, and that's the very paint we talked about in last week's show. Yeah, I love that paint. Looks good going sideways. Uh, since he's doing it on purpose, yeah. Okay, so I got the next one. This was a, a meme I put up in the chat. Uh, and, it, and I'll kind of describe it, but basically it's got... The uh, COVID-19 rioting and politics kind of kicking down on me. Uh, and then uh, somebody comes up to embrace me and hug me. And guess what? It's iRacing. And I put this in the chat and I just try to remind the guys, uh, you know, with everything that's going on in 2020, it was such a crazy year. Um, the way it ended, you know, with the polit- with the election and everything and the lockdowns and and everything that's happened, uh, we are so lucky as sim drivers to have iRacing to turn to as an escape and uh, to forget about those things, to jump in the car and experience the thrill of competition. And uh, man, we need to be happy about it and embrace it. And uh, boy, we're so lucky because a lot of people don't have stuff like that. I'm definitely, it's definitely nice to even have, you know, iRacing obviously gives us this platform too to be able to talk about it, but it's just something I like to, you know, when I come down here and put on my VR, you know, I just get to leave the world. Technically, I get to be in my own and, and, and have fun. It's it's definitely the best place to where I like to spend my time just to get away. Yeah, um, you're right. iRacing is more than just a, a racing sim. It's a, it's a community. You know, so many people are, are stuck at home this time. With, with all what's been going on, they're not really going out and interacting with other people as much as they normally would. Well, well, within the iRacing community, as far as, uh, as that goes, you know, we can still talk talk to each other, and, you know, and have have friends, and uh, you know, be able to interact in in a way that's a uh, that's a lot of fun that that uh, kind of makes you forget about all the nasty stuff that's been going on recently. Yeah, it's been great. So. Uh... Just don't forget that, listeners. Uh, you know, we're we're having fun. A lot of people aren't. Um, embrace it. Well, iRacing might not be having too much fun right now because uh, they uh, the curse of iRacing may have struck again. Apparently, Barcelona, the the uh, the track that iRacing just released this past year, has got a change in turn ten for the new season. So uh, in twenty twenty, the uh, turn ten was uh, was a little bit. Uh, shaped a little differently it was a it was a more of a, a narrow turn and in 2021 they've 
actually opened up a bigger sweep arc that goes around that same section of track. So, so yeah, so iRacing uh, might be looking into uh, updating that track for the for the new configuration. We'll see. But man, just had that thing released within the past year, and uh, already it's changed from one year to the next. That's a, that's a tough well, news. Well, but, not only that sweeper around the red section, Brian, is wide. Uh, it looks like it's actually narrower than wider. But look at the the next right-hander going up t- towards the top of the picture. Uh, that cuts in a lot more drastic than it was last year. Well, I think the other thing here, too, is I want to say on the first, the map there, that other turn is for the super bikes, I believe, use that. Um, in real life, I could be wrong, but I believe the super bikes don't use that sharp turn there. They go around more of a round um, when they use this track. Um, but you're right, Mike. They, it looks like they have to. It's not just the one corner. They're altering the S part here too, uh, and possibly the way the the ne- apex and, and stuff for the next corner work. Yep. Are you guys seeing a different picture than me? Because I can't really see the 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 S part. It looks like it's the same, and the the new the part the new part was already there. It uh, all they the way actually, it's cropped. Yeah. All they I think you it's the way it's cropped. Right, all they it's the way it's cropped. Yeah. All they have actually, and the new part was already there in 2020. What they've actually done is they've just covered up some of that old part of the track. Uh, but uh, hopefully, iRacing already has that other segment scanned. And all they have to do is make that the racing the surface art, and, yeah. and cover it up and cover up the the part that's not there. Yeah, just have it as a separate configuration. That's that's a very well possible because um because yeah, it does look like that that's long sweep that's now part of the track looks like it probably had been there for a while. And maybe you're right, Greg, that uh, that was already used for a different series like the super bikes or something. I want to say that's why I thought it was there in the first place because it wouldn't need to. There's no need for it. Um, if if there's they wouldn't t- n- p- pave that area, um, the way it is if if they weren't using it, for, uh, especially since this is also an F1 circuit too, right? So, uh, I guess that would change the F1 cars there too. It's obviously got to be wide enough for them too. Yeah, and if if you look at the the 2020 version on that sweeping turn, I mean, there's rubber down on that part of the track. It looks like so. It looks like somebody's been racing it for some reason. Um, so it looks like it may have been there for a while. Hopefully, iRacing, like you guys said, has already scanned that part of track and it's ready to go. They just need to add that configuration, I guess. Yeah, they just they've reworked the track, added some grass, and uh, moved the walls basically. But the that that farther the wider turn that yeah it's there before. It looks like the curbing's redone a little as well. So. It's, something that they didn't patch in the next the current patch that we're going to talk about patch three for season one they didn't patch this track but they patched quite a few other things uh came out just this morning and the big one big issue we already talked about which was the 217 they did make a change for hosted sessions and they also fixed a bug in the 3d car viewer which i'm pretty sure i've encountered uh it was not properly refreshing if you had a bunch of spaces in your dirt in your race car titles or in your paint titles because i was having to actually manually refresh them quite often uh looks like they fixed that and um there's some changes in the simulation physics for for hyper extended suspension so that sounds like the 
problem I had last week in the pro truck. Remember when the rear axle came out from underneath the car? Yeah, Might I be. think you're right, Mike. Yeah. Was yours hyper or was it like it was more pretty hyper? Hyper, <laughs> hyper extended, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was an issue with meatballs not being recognized and triggered. They've added a lot of AI tracks, including Ooh, this one, the I Glen. Irish yeah. and Super Speedway is in there. Yeah, I need to be excited about that one. Tony, like Tony, uh, not not uh, Tony, the other Tony Gross. Am I getting my... Tony Rochette. No, Tony Rochette. <laughs> I'm getting my last names mixed up. So I always do this. And they get mad because I spell their name wrong, too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he likes to run that AI a lot as well. They've added him for a couple of cars. We saw this just last night in the Winter Series race. The pace car just went up and committed suicide against the the right wall as it was leaving at Bristol. They fixed that issue. I uh, This fixed the uh, meatball flag. I've had that where I didn't. It didn't say I needed it to get fixed or anything like that. But uh, how about this next one? Uh, the spotter is going to announce to lead lappers when there's a lucky dog coming or a free pass cars coming up behind them. If they finally fix that, that was that's that's been around f- for almost a year now. I know, finally. But they haven't. Have did the spotter used to do it? Yes. Yeah. Or did it was it just on the screen? Okay. Yeah. That's just lucky dog. I don't think they talked about free pass, but well, free pass equals lucky dog. It's the same thing. Well, wave around. I guess wave wave around around. is different, but they don't have. They don't. They're in front of everybody. Uh, Right. What happened is they when they optimized the cautions on the on the big tracks and cut them down to two laps around instead of four, they that went away. So and then a lot of other little small fixes here and there. Uh, a lot of balance issues with the cars and some tweaks at a lot of the tracks as well. And setups, a lot of setups for the cup cars and various oval cars. Well, they're going to be getting ready for the next season, right? And some changes at Daytona for the road co- for the 24 hours. Uh, some track surface bumps have been smoothed. Um, some tire walls have been grounded. Um, on the road course, they smoothed the vicious bump at turn six. I think that's where you come up onto the oval turn one. Uh, that transition has been smooth, apparently. Yeah, I, when we were running the radicals race in practice, I spun out there a lot. If you just come out just a little too low, if you're trying to hold it low instead of letting it swing out, it would send you around. Yeah, that's the that's the one that usually in the GTE and the LMP2, the traction control kicks in when you're kind of getting out of that corner. Okay, podcast housekeeping notes. Don't forget to listen to the other podcast, The Aftermath, After Show. Um, that's, co- that's every two weeks. Um, don't forget our new website as well, uh, where you can get the show notes. We got you guys to leave comments. Tell us what you think. Uh, uh, it's something we've been working on, and it's really fun to look at while you're listening to the show. Also, check out performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. Uh, the 24-hour motorsport channel. You'll find our show there, too, on regular rotation. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware software. Uh, First one up there is uh, a nice, really nice uh, wooden rig from Rock Solid Rigs. And this one is kind of in the theme of uh you know the like the 8020 aluminum profile if it were to be wood 
Um, I mean, <laughs> that's how I see there's it. A, it looks like a, an eighty twenty, but it made out of wood. There's a lot of pre- precision machine cuts. That that's yeah, that's, not, that's not do you do it yourself. Laser cutting. Yeah, there's some definite laser cutting in that system there. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But this is like you know you, you buy this and just you know put it together. All the hardware's included. Um, and you don't need any tools. It's as you can see, like it's got all those, uh, you know, like those, uh, screw and dials to lock everything in place. Um, you can adjust this thing, you know, any which way to Sunday there, you can set it up exactly how you like. Um, it is, you know, a, a really neat looking design that they, they went with. Now they, um, a lot of these design choices that they made was, uh, they likened it to like uh, you know strengthening an aircraft um, with, with uh, the choices of angles and and how they do things. Um, so it's it's supposed to kind of replicate that type of strength. Apparently, nothing moves. There's no vibration, uh, you know, that you can feel through the uh, you know seeing the monitors and stuff like that. They um, and everything you you buy everything kind of separate, right? So you buy like the 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 base. And then, you know, you buy your, your monitor, your single monitor mount, and you can add on uh, to make it triples or have the, uh, the fourth monitor up top. And so I, I totaled it all up just out of curiosity, and it comes to 713 pounds, uh, which works out to just, just under a grand um, U.S. And I'm kind of wondering, like, uh, is that really, really any cheaper? I mean... Anybody outside of the UK can get one of these anyways. They don't ship them out yet, but that's supposed to be coming soon. But um, I'm not sure if this one really would add any, like, a- add any value over an 8020. Um, I think it would only just be if they like the wood better than the 8020, just as a style choice. Right. It's almost. It almost looks more like a piece of art than uh, than uh, anything. You know. It's it's so well so well designed and and put together. It looks looks like a piece of art. I'll, I'll give you an analogy that I I I think in my head when I see this. To me, it's it looks like the difference between a steel roller coaster and a wood roller coaster. You know, one might be a lot more practical uh, to make a to make a better roller coaster, but the other one just has such a, a cool design and feel to it that the wood roller coasters do, where it's, it might not be the most practical. Um, uh, most practical product to make a, a roller coaster out of, but it still has that awesome design and engineering that's done to it. Um, that's just in my head. That's what what I see when I see this. It's just like a, a different way of building it that uh, might not be the the absolute best material, but man, it, it is so cool and so artistic looking. I, I think it's a beautiful system. Well said, Brian. I can't add anything onto that. You wrapped it up nice. What if you do it a nice stain, like a dark oak or something, or maybe a real bright matte paint, you know, make it all blue. I wonder if it's like, I don't know how, uh, if pricings would like ever fluctuate with this because I mean, the wood market goes up and down. I work in the wood industry. The wood market is up and down a lot. I mean, obviously they're using obviously sheets of, I'm guessing it's plywood. That's it's it's obviously a a manufactured board, but um, I I just think that with the prices of 
wood going up and down so much could this is it really feasible to as a business to make it this way too i don't know it uh, I just it seems expensive it seems there's material. a markup, a huge markup i don't you know you look at how much wood is actually there you know and once the design is done and you you just cut and laser you know your laser's cutting these pieces i can't imagine how much it, it's costing them to build one of these you know they're not even building them they're just packaging them up and shipping them out you know so the markup is pretty high. I think they would sell a ton of these if it was maybe 30, 40% less, and they would probably still make a lot of money. I, I just think as a, as a triple monitor system, what did you say it was a thousand dollars, Tony? It may came up to No, that's, that's with every, Mary, yes, everything. everything that you, everything that you see in the picture on our website. Yeah. That comes into ju just shy. Actually, what's the, uh 975 us dollars is that I mean, including that... the seat no no okay so there's the there's the one thing there like the seats probably in, depending on what you want there's you know you're looking between another what 100 300 300 for a good yes one. so that's where it kind of puts it out of uh, the price i don't think that 900 us is really that much um for how much you get there because that's the whole triple four like even a four monitor system, that's a pretty decent setup there. So it's, it's, it's reasonable, but it's still kind of like, like Tony said, it. they don't ship it out of the, into the States anyways, or anything like that. But I just think once you don't have the seat on it, it kind of, there's, there's where it kind of goes away with the price. Well, yeah. And, you know, just to kind of uh, go back to what Brian said, like this is definitely a, a design choice that you're going after because the looks of this thing is, is, very pretty and i'm sure it's super sturdy the the type of plywood they're using is extremely thick extremely rigid um you're not going to have any issues that way um but the design choice like you're you're going you're definitely going after something specific here yeah i agree and, and as far as wood goes I, I don't see how you could make a wood rig that's any more adjustable than what this thing is yeah there's slots and knobs everywhere to move stuff up and down like the whole the place where the steering base is sitting, that looks like it goes up and down, uh, as well as the shifter, the 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 seat. There's like you know a dozen different options for the seat tilt. And you you know in the picture we're, we're showing here on the site, you don't see. It looks like they have a cup holder and a keyboard tray and everything on the other side. It looks solid uh, for sure. The way it's designed, uh, the 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 base it's sitting on is real wide you know so there's there isn't going to be any play you can tell by looking at it all right let's go to the next one here um sim magic uh posted on their instagram uh a tease of their new pedal or their new uh pedal that's incoming um so if it's it's basically just uh, it's a hydraulic setup it looks like here and um kind of interesting the color combinations that they've used on it here i think obviously maybe it's just to draw your eye to it on the instagram page but um it definitely a nicer sleeker um brake pedal i'm guessing is what they're showing here but you know i'm interested to see what the whole what it all is going to look like uh when they finally uh, release it yeah it looks very clever um the the hydraulic part is like miniature it's like smaller than what i've seen on other pedals and um, it, it's just a small slave, it looks like. And then the rubber gaskets, like you said, lots of bright colors. It makes it pop a little bit for uh, visually. This is the same uh, direct driver 
or direct drive provider, right? That's a that's a good sign that they're putting some other products out that they're they're going to be around to stay. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Yeah, and that and that direct drive system they have is very competitively priced. So it'd be interesting to see how they come uh, price wise for these pedal systems. Well, and I'm interested to see like it's they're saying it may be inbound, so maybe the announcement's coming some point here. So um, if you want to, you know, keep keep an eye on it go to www.simmagic.com um, and see if uh, at some point here, if they announce it uh, in the next couple of weeks. It's not on the website yet, but yeah, they are teasing it on the Instagram. The next one just blew me away, guys. Um, the BMW blog shows off the new Fanatec BMW M4 GT3 steering wheel in an article that also addresses their commitment to sim racing saying, the GT3 racing series will coexist with the digital racing series, and it won't be unusual to see hybrid drivers racing in both. And this wheel is literally the same wheel that you will race a real BMW M4 it. Um, you can stick it right on your uh, DD1, your DD2, Fanatec uh, podium base, uh, and it's going to start at 5,000 euros without the base. Ouch. So buy that or buy a G seat. I just I mean, don't. Uh, do you guys really understand where the marketing idea here is? Do you, like, it seems like it's like if if you're gonna get in a if you're gonna get a BMW M4 GT3, I guess the car <laughs> to be able to use it with, maybe. But it just seems like uh, and not well, it, and not to crap on Fanatec here, but I mean you got to be careful with their build quality too and stuff like that. Hey everybody! Look how much money I have. <laughs> well, there a part of the tweet actually says that they expect to see some of their their real BMW GT3 series racers also competing on iRacing as hybrid drivers. Uh, so they literally actually could pop it out of their their car and hop and snap it under their rig and go run a, a pro invitational. Do you think they're going to be paying the five thousand dollars for it though? Probably not, though. That's why they'll be able to do it. It says just, uh, we'll become available the second quarter of 2021. I just think it's an odd thing when, you know, if you got $5,000, there's a lot more stuff you can do with it than just have a rim for yeah. a base, right? I just, great looking wheel and everything. It just It just seems kind of in a market right now where people aren't looking to spend a lot. It just seems a little bit odd. Yeah, just go back and look at Denny Hamlin's rig, and then there there will be somebody that'll buy it. So the best wheel before this one, or the most expensive, I think, probably the Cube Controls, uh, CSX2, perhaps. Um, I was just looking that up to see what it sells for. 1,228 pounds. And when you look at them side by side, I mean, I almost like the Cube Controls better. It looks a little more fancier. It's got a screen on it. Um yeah, I mean, for five thousand, it's like where did they come up with that number? They just kind of well, you know, we got to, we want to be, you know, extreme. We want to, you know, for the, for the the connoisseur, what number are we going to put on it? Three thousand. I mean, even three thousand is twice what it's probably worth. So five thousand. Oh my god. I want to talk to this guy in the forum, Sam uh, Witten. He goes, legitimately cheaper than I thought it'd be, is what he posted. <laughs> is that like a, a joke? I, I just don't know. I just, 
and then right below it, someone goes, I wonder who the target market is. Well, exactly. Leach can probably tell you that. But if you're that guy who buys everything, like Mr. Brian, uh, but no, I mean, you, you're buying the best of the best. You're buying, a, you know, a motion rig. You're getting a seatbelt tensioner. You got direct drive. You know, you know, why not put this on the list? Now, like I said, Denny's rig is 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 pushing six digits, right? So, so Denny Hamlin probably wouldn't think twice about dropping five grand on it. Yeah, but Denny Hamlin has a basketball court in his house, so it's kind of right. just that's who this will's for. That's who's going to buy it, right? <laughs> but you know, I would, I still would take the cube controls for thirteen hundred or twelve hundred because. I just don't feel right spending five grand when you get something the same for roughly the you know a quarter of the price. Greg's talked about upgrade. If he has to upgrade in the wheel that I have, the Formula V two, it's got everything you need. It's it's for the, especially for the price. It's it's the wheel to have if you road race. And how much was that? Well, I think it runs four ninety nine, but I got it. I got it as a part of my. Uh, severance package or so to speak or apology package we call that the right market the legitimate market for a racing rim well there's you know we don't all go out and buy ferraris right so but they're expensive and don't don't appeal to the masses it's this no this wheel doesn't appeal to the masses but they're they're being counters say that they can make some money off of it well, obviously, someone backed it as an idea, so there is something that somebody thought that this was going to work. They're probably not overextended yeah. with it. Nah, probably not. But uh, if you want some uh, extensions of your own, uh, Vicente Maestri, he uh, from Iberia, and he developed a Twitch panel extension that will let uh, you display your iRacing license and status and stats on your Twitch channel. So if anybody out there who's uh, running a, a Twitch channel, broadcasting their own channel, you can actually have this panel extension that will uh, come up and have, and have your uh, license information and your stats right along with your, uh, with your uh, Twitch stream. So that's pretty cool if, if you do iRacing streaming. Like, David, you do a lot, I know. That could be something you could do. I was going to say, David, this probably would be good for, like, before your races, kind of like as an intro stream, you know, something like yeah, you get one of those. Maybe, but it's got a lot of information that really is is almost irrelevant. Um, like uh, time trial I rating, who cares about that, right? A lot of the same kind of information can be thrown up on on like the Joe Real Timing timing page, your I rating and some of those stuff. Now the 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 statistics are kind of nice, uh, like your top five percentages, your win percentages. Uh, Vicente's are pretty pretty ridiculous if you look at his numbers as in ridiculous good. So I don't get it. Does it actually show in your stream that you're streaming, or is it just on the Twitch page separately of the stream? It's an extension. Uh... Panel extension. So I, I think it's just on the page. It's not actually in the stream. Uh, you would probably you would add it in the OBS. You just put that in the URL OBS, in, okay. in the OBS. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily. I don't know why it would specifically be Twitch extension. You could throw it to any of the stream sources. If it's Twitch only, it would stink. If you you're going out to multiple sources. I'm just trying to. F uh, I'm wondering if it is what Mike's saying. It is here. I'm just trying to see. Yeah, when you click on the link, it actually uh, takes you to dashboard.twitch.tv and you click on install 
and it looks like it's going to do it right there um, on the page. Yeah, it's it goes straight to it. He's right. It, it's kind of just another place to put information on if somebody's on Twitch for you. So if you already have all your overlays lined up in OBS, it would be almost, uh, you'd have to be editing it in a different place. I don't know if I like that, but. Well, this thing will edit itself over time on your Twitch page. Like it'll just show, it's like in your information on your Twitch channel. Yeah, I mean editing the positioning for for whatever pages you're on. Yeah. You you have to you'd have to make sure that spot's open on your OBS stream so you're not you're not putting two overlays on top of each other and you'd have to move it around. It's not an overlay. It's 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 actually like it's like what we do when we're moving stuff into our website. It shows up on the website. It doesn't show up in your stream. It shows up in Twitch's channel. Yeah, oh. it's outside of the stream window. So when you go to the page, it's going to show there. Well, then forget everything I just said. So I just added it on mine, so we'll see how it looks. I'll have to report back. You better make sure you put up all the practice statistics, Mike. There you go. Does it? I don't think it has a practice statistic. But um, we'll just add one for Mike. We'll just write it in. It's, it's, it's not too hard to add a zero, right? Yeah, there's some other stuff you need to do, apparently, because I'm not seeing it. But uh, I did add it, and I'll uh, figure it out. We have another rig look coming up here. This one's out of Finland. The company is called Hamrick. Um, RSH.company is their email address. It looks like a pretty nice 80-20 rig. But what's interesting about this one that kind of sets it apart for me is that the monitor connections are in the same spot. They're on the same pillar as your wheel connection is. So right, really that might, close. That'll make it better to get that field of view that Mike loves. Uh, it's also better if you're in a motion rig, but you're definitely going to get some monitor shake from the direct drive if you don't have everything tightened down real tight. That's a good point that it's not separate. You might have that problem, but it is a unique design for the monitor mount. That's different than I've seen on other rigs. So they have several price points, uh, different versions. It looks like 1,029 euros for the good one. They have a lower one at seven eighty nine. It's also another thing that's a little different. They've, they've got the uh, the railing for the seat is really got a steep angle, so you can put that proper GT or or even uh, formula seating angle. The the more I look at it, the more in my next rig I want to have something like this with the angle at the seat, just the way. Uh, the one image here that uh, she's sitting in, it just seems looks like it looks like it's comfortable. Um, it is. I've, that, that's what I've done with the Sparco already. It it it, you, it leans real deep, and it keeps it just keeps the pressure throughout your whole body even, all the way from your from the middle of your spine all the way to your knees, and so nothing starts to get sore or numb when you do a long race. Kind of reminds me of the way I sit my RS. Really sitting back instead of sitting straight up and down. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and that's we've talked about this before. Proper GT seating, your your feet are supposed to be up at the same level as your butt. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of what do you call it? The hammock feel, like you're kind of you're laying back a bit and being supported. Um, in your center part of your body is more is is supporting more than you're being upright. Yeah, you're still you're more upright than a formula, but but because of the leaning back and also because of the fact that your knees are up higher, it just changed. 
but still support it. It changes the same. It just changes how the pressure hits. When I when we would run long races, and I sat in this office chair, it you know my butt would go numb, or I'd have to start shifting around and sitting all kinds of weird ways, just to just because the after two hours, it was painful. Well, we got some uh, new offerings coming out of Midwest Simulations. They're rolling out their Spotlight Two. Uh, spotter slash lighting system uh so these new ones they feature 20 percent larger lenses as well as a third light on each side uh apparently it's been one of the most requested features to help with three wide racing so you can better differentiate between one when one and two lights are on uh this is good stuff um i i got the ones for vr and Man, I I absolutely love them. If I wasn't in VR, um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be looking at getting uh, some of these. I might even pick some of these up for uh, the missus for her rig. So the import, important thing here, too, about it, um, with it doing it the way he's saying he's adding the extra light is it's so it's like when I always was had two cars on the outside or two cars on the inside when you're doing the three wide, all I noticed is the VR was getting bright or the, the lens from this thing in my VR was just getting brighter. I couldn't tell that it was two. So what he's is what he's trying to do design wise is kind of put a space between them. I'm guessing. So that it looks like two instead of just a brighter light. If you're not able to see both lights, you might not have them far enough in. Cause I, I can clearly see that there's the two lights, but what happens if you have a yellow flag or a blue flag, those are all, those are being committed to, one of the lights and then you've only got the two upper and then you've only got two lights or you've only got one light left on each side for car locations and they have different colors they come in blue and red as far as the housing uh so you can pick that yeah now it looks like these are made specifically for for monitors um so i've not obviously used the older monitor setup so maybe that's what they're referring to, because like David said here, like I, I don't have an issue with the VR. I can easily tell um, which which lights are are flashing on which side. So that's why the I'm saying to David there is so I'm using the monitor ones in my VR. So that's the, probably the difference. Oh, then. okay. So when you look at mine, they're inside the actual thing there on the side with the lenses. Um, it's hard to see here, but. Um, you don't have is yours guys got a cover on the top so you can or do you get the actual just the led light um, it's, just, it's just a circuit an exposed circuit board and a couple of led lights on the circuit board yeah see mine look like that into it so you have a clear lens over the top so i don't can't differentiate the two lights ah so it says the spotter calls have been moved to the inside and outside lights of each side the middle light is reserved for flag and low fuel indication I like the low fuel indication too, kind of as a as a reminder, um, because I always find that in road racing the spotter lights seem to be the most thing that's handy for me. Because when you're racing, you don't see the blue flag in your corner. It's nice to just have the blue light inside VR, um, and, and it's always it reminds you right away that you know you got to pay attention to what's coming up behind you. Well, even even the yellows have handy because the yellows don't get called out; they're just local yellows. I, yeah, I'm that's sure. It. 
he uh I, I believe the last time I talked to him he said he had a lot of new he had a new version coming out um that and he'd be putting out the monitor version first but I'm I'm pretty I'll double check with him or ask but I'm pretty sure he'll have a VR equivalent equivalent come out at some point as well. Well, he just basically takes the housing off, right? Uh yeah, but yeah, there's no housing, it's just a clip. Yeah, I talked to Scott last week and uh Scott Rupp who runs this place. Um, he also has another item coming. He gave me a sneak peek. I'm not going to talk about it yet, but um, stay tuned uh, to Midwest Simulations. Way um, to tease some... us. Well, I hope it's a three-monitor setup. You know, three lights. Let the middle one do all the flags, and then you got your spotter lights uh, on, on each monitor. I, I'd love to see that. So you're going to you, stick... You might be gonna... onto something. Are you going to stick the third one right on your forehead then? <laughs> Where do you stick on your nose, tip of your nose, or? Well, no, no, that's for for a triple monitor setup, not not uh, for just, VR. I'm just saying for VR when it comes out, it'll have to be like stuck to your forehead in in the VR. Okay, we got one more quick one here, a quick hit. Nvidia warns of a high severity GPU driver flaw. They fixed a slew of high severity flaws affecting its graphics driver. The vulnerabilities allow bad actors to cripple systems with denial of service, escalated privileges, tamper with data, or sniff out sensitive data. This is uh, one of those big, big hacks, guys, where they can get into the kernel uh, and basically control everything. Um, and I can't believe that NVIDIA put out drivers that had these exploits in them. But uh, the message is update your driver as soon as possible because... They fixed all these problems. I haven't. I haven't done mine yet. Um, I don't think I've been on it on my computer since uh, since uh, this was posted. So as soon as next time I, I get on my computer, I'm going to definitely do that. That'll jump us into results, and it looks like the first thing we have up here is some uh, Ferrari GT challenges for Mike. Yep, we tried a Ferrari GT uh, at the Watkins Glen, P9, after starting 16th. Some early carnage, I missed it, uh, barely. Uh, but it was a clean race after that, so a nice finish. Uh, ran with my friend Bobby Jonas. Uh, he actually got pole position in his split and finished third. Great run for him. I decided to try it again after my good luck and ended up P13. I was in a, a little bit higher split. I had like a really uh, high car number. Um, and uh, after starting P16, um, just no pace. I'm just slow compared to those guys. I was like a second and a half off and I was driving fast. And uh, yeah, I just sucked. So I quit. Yeah, Bobby, I think he's been working on bringing his I rating up a little bit. He doesn't want to be, I don't think he wants to be in the lower road course splits when NIS comes around. That's my guess. He didn't say that specifically. Well, he's been farming that series a little bit the week yeah. before as well, yeah. Uh, so uh, you played around and you said you're going to do some fixed stuff as well, and you played around at Texas this week. Yep, trying to gain some I rating uh, because I'm afraid I'm going to end up in the lower split for NIS, which I probably will, but decided to run Texas. P5, it was a great run. I made 80 I rating, actually. I actually started P19 via attrition and barely missing some of the early wrecks. I worked my way up with 10 to go or so. I actually got wrecked. It was only 30 seconds damage. Still had my 2000 on the revs. I uh, drove it from there 12th to 5th. It was actually a blessing in disguise to get that wreck because I pitted for tires when nobody else did. And that extra, you know, six or seven laps on the tires 
I was able to pass a lot of people. So um, an, another big thing I noticed uh, in this race is I suck on restarts. I lost positions on multiple restarts. I really got to figure out what I'm doing wrong. It went well, so I ran it again. P22, ouch. Uh, there was one caution. It was at lap three, and then it was green from there. I was high as seventh, and I was running hard on the tires, thinking there would be more cautions like there was the race before, but there wasn't. And I ran my tires hot, uh, really hard and moved up, but obviously faded after that, clear back to 22nd, uh, hit the wall like three times, you know, with the car just pushing straight to the wall. Typical Texas. And Brian, you were feeling a little skippy this weekend. Yeah, guys. So, um, the, the whole the whole deal with this uh, the skippy races that I did this weekend was that um, you know that the the minimum requirement license requirement for the Daytona 24 hours was not as high as I thought it was I thought it would be so far out of reach but um, being that I found that it was only a, a D uh, 4.0 or uh, yeah 4.0 that I was like man I can actually get my license high enough to do that because I was sitting at like a D 2.2.9 or something like that so I, uh, I buckled down this weekend, said the race, the skippies were at uh, Watkins Glen, which is a track obviously I know pretty well from running uh, stock cars there. So uh, I just said, I'm going to just race these skippies at Watkins Glen. I'll start my races in the pit stall so I don't get caught up in any early carnage, let the race kind of play out. You know, I wasn't really caring about I rating. I just wanted to get safe races in. So, uh, so man, I raced about six or seven races this past weekend in the skippies at Watkins Glen. And I was actually finishing in the top 10, like almost every time just by doing that. A matter of fact, I think I got a high as a P4. Uh, and, uh, and my license actually went up to a C by the end of the weekend. So, uh, I got, got my C license in road, which is, uh, I guess nothing to brag about, but at least I got it. And, uh, even finish, even starting from the uh, fr from the pits, uh, I probably wound I gained, gained probably about 150 I rating, uh, which is crazy because I was just letting people go, and then you know with all the carnage, I guess, uh, in the lower splits probably, uh, I just just stayed clean and just kept getting good finishes. It was fun. I really like the Skippies at Watkins Glen. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a momentum type track. So you know, as long as you keep your momentum, momentum up through the turns, uh, you can you can actually start start to do well. And you know, from the time I started to the time I end, I probably, you know, put gained four seconds in my my uh, lap times. So I was actually getting fairly decent and pretty pretty competitive. It, it was hard. To resist the urge to actually you know qualify well and actually you know push push for a real good finish but i just didn't want to mess up that that uh safety rating so i could stay on track and make this 24-hour race and i'm sure the uh the skippies have been the numbers have been up too as a lot of people are probably doing the same thing you're doing getting in there to try to raise their license up so they can become eligible now, Bobby was starting from the pits as well when he was farming uh, at Watkins Glen. And when I raced with him, he, he, he qualified, but he was going to start from the pits, but he got the pole. So I'm like, dude, you got to start the race. You can't go, you know, take the pole and start from the pits. Come on. You can drive into one real hard and, and watch behind you and don't let them run into you. So it worked out for him uh, starting off the pole and he ended up finishing third, let a couple of hotheads go by him. 
because uh, they were looking like they were going to wreck. But it ended up working out for him, and maybe he'll stop uh, doing the pit thing. iRacing needs to add a, a voluntary end-of-the-line penalty to start races. That'd be nice, because it wouldn't be such a penalty, right? Uh, to be a, just at the end of the pack instead of, you know, actually on pit road waiting for everybody to go by. Yep. And that finishes up all of our official racing this week, and then we jumped into Winter League. Yes, Legends at Wilkesboro. One of the best combos, I think, on the service. I I just love the, the NASCAR Legends at Wilkesboro. Um, I, as you recall, the car and the, the track were released together, and they're literally made for each other. I mean, it's just a great combination, at least it is for me. Um, I ran a P6. I think that's the best I've run in the Winter League this year. I uh, actually ran fourth to fifth most of the race. Um, it was a fascinating tire strategy uh, as well. Um, everybody was doing one stop where they'd get to the halfway pit and then go. Except for me and just a few others, I did a two-stopper. Why? Well, my tires weren't going to make it to halfway. I was running too hard, apparently. So I decided on the two-stopper. Um, it was interesting because then I got to drive by everybody who was on old tires. And I was passing, you know, all the all the heavy hitters and the fast guys uh, like they were standing still with my new tires. But then once I wore out, they, they had pitted and were going by me. So it went both ways. Uh, it made for a lot of coming and going. And uh, yeah, Christian Challoner ended up winning the race, of course. He's just about winning them all. He won He won Wednesday night as well. Yep, and that I, was Bristol in the cup car. Yeah, we'll go a little out of order here on this. I did finish P8 uh, on a lap all by myself. We had an early caution, and so half of us pitted. Uh, some of us didn't. Uh, I think it was only 20 laps in, and we figured you need 35 laps before you get tires. Then we had green flag stops twice. And it just ran long, long, long. Uh, I was pitting less often than some of the other people's. In fact, I only made one pit. No, I made two pits. But I was if we had gone green the whole way out, I would have only made one pit the entire race, uh, which kept me in front of some of the people who were pitting more. But the top seven guys were just way, way ahead of me. But still finished P8, continuing my consistent run in there. I jumped to fourth in points. However, I'm seventh when they show the drop weeks. But still, I'm excited to be up there in, in both cases. And I sucked there. I, I didn't practice as usual. I just came in hot. Uh, qualified when I probably shouldn't have, and that put me up in front of some of the faster guys. And uh, I was trying to let people go, and it caused that first caution at lap 20. It was Brad Miller um, who took me three wide down on the inside. I was in the middle. I literally backed off because I was going to be part of that three wide. and it caused him to spin down to the inside and cause that caution. Later on, under a green flag stop, I ended up pitting on the wrong side of pit road. Um, I totally spaced that out, that you have to pit on the back stretch, even if you're pitting on the front stretch. And it was a 40 second penalty under green, lost, you know, however many laps and uh, never really recovered. So P18 out of like maybe 22 cars, so bummer. OBRL, ARCA, Brian, P7. Yeah, so uh, the OBRL Monday night and the ARCAs were at Indianapolis. So uh, I started a P6 and wound up finishing in P7. Um, uh, it was a problem where I just wasn't, wasn't able to quite save my tires well enough to stay up in the front. Uh, I, and um, 
you know, I would be close to the front group as early, early in the run and then slowly fade back. Um, but I still had some really fun racing. There was a, there was another driver, uh, Bob Fellenbaum. He, um, it was, it was funny. Like at the start of the race, I, I gapped him by about almost two seconds. And by the time the first pit stop came in, you know, he had caught, he had made up all that time and just, and got by me right before the pit stop. And then the next set of, uh, next, next run, I actually pulled away from him again for about a, a second and a half. And he pulled right back up to me over the course of a tire run and, uh, passed me again. And then, uh, I actually wound up staying out a little later on that second pit stop. And when I came back out, um, you know, he was like two seconds in front of me because, uh, you know, he was, uh, he had pitted a, a lap or so earlier and I actually ran him down to the end of the race. I got right, right to his bumper, right at, the, right as the race was ended. But man, I just, I, I caught him on the backstretch. Um, I, I, I backed up turn three at Indy, uh, so that I could get a run on the short shoot. And, uh, I almost had enough to just to put my nose underneath him and turn the last turn four but uh i didn't really quite have enough to do it safely without really probably just taking them out taking us both out so he finished sixth and i finished seventh but it was a lot of fun even though you know it wasn't a great finish it was an okay finish okay then we had Ucora snowball series the radicals david p1 yeah uh this one was nice uh, I haven't done great road-wise with the with the Radicals here, but Daytona is a track we know. This is the old Daytona. In road on the road side, it doesn't feel that different. It, it kind of runs about the same. Uh, this is one of those situations where I seem to be getting better fuel mileage than a couple of guys. Draft was a big, big, big deal, and so what I did for a long time, I didn't really specifically know that it was going to pay off. But I knew that I could try to pass the guys and then they would just turn around and, and still be able to keep up with me and probably try to fight back and get right back but me. So I've, I've, I've tested the waters once and then I just started drafting and running less throttle and saving fuel. And I ended up pitting one less stop than everybody else. And uh, our new Elite West teammate uh, over there joined us in the majors, Justin Kirby. He was about 30 seconds out in front of me uh, until he had him pit again and I didn't and that put us right next to each other uh last four laps I stayed behind him Scott posted it as a last lap pass that I that I caught him on the last lap but really I was behind him for four laps just just hanging in there and um a couple times he even made a couple of mistakes where I could have easily passed him but I knowing how the draft works and how how much of a big run you can get on the front stretch I just let up and kept him in front of me because in that car it was better to be in the second coming to the line and that's what i did i passed him and then he almost got right back to me it ended up being a 0.007 margin okay so that's been fun the ucora snowball they run again tonight i think concord concord okay and i'm hoping to be part of the broadcast we didn't get the broadcast last week uh, uh for whatever reason but uh hopefully tonight we'll be doing that GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder. Oh.
Pathfinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. Okay, final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. So uh, I'm really excited now that I was able to uh, get my uh, license up to race in the 24. Uh, I, you know, all the guys are really cool that we're racing, really fun to race with. So uh, although uh, I'm going to be, I know I'm going to be really nervous when this thing actually happens because, uh, you know, it'll be my first 24-hour type of a race. I haven't really raced a Ferrari very much at all. So this weekend I'm going to dedicate myself to, get a lot of practice in the Ferrari so I can at least be competent and, and not disappoint five other guys who are, who are racing with me. You know, uh, that's going to be my goal is not to, not to tick off my teammates, I guess. Not to be that guy, right? Definitely use exactly. the times, definitely use the track this week that the, in the series, that'll get you used to it the most. In, in but the you'll uh, have practice to... series, the multi-class series. Yeah. Use jump in practice if you can, but if you can get yourself up to a B or a C point four point, you can run those races with a C four point oh. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll see what happens. I'll, I'll get some time in. I'm off on off work on Monday, so I have a little extra time this weekend. That'll uh it'll take some of the nerves away that you have. Just keep it on the track. Don't worry about uh being fast. Just worrying about not wrecking. That's what the twenty four is all about. Okay, David Hall, final thoughts. I'm ready for the Daytona. We're running the majors this weekend. And uh, I believe, oh, yeah, I was pretty pretty excited to look at the pre-qualifying. You have to pre-qualify in, in the majors because they have so many racers. They have to split into multiple pro splits and multiple sportsman splits. Well, because of my points finish last year in the playoffs, uh, I get, I've got, I'm automatically locked in to top split the first four races. So I will be in the broadcast. All right, that'll be fun to watch. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, I'm looking forward to running the majors uh, this year and running that 2.4 this weekend, uh, Sunday night. Um, and I'm looking at getting around to uh, updating that spreadsheet for David by uh, next weekend. We'll see. Uh, other than that, I really don't have much going on. I'm just been, <laughs> I've just been designing some stuff for the podcast. We're and... starting a betting pool. <laughs> That's okay. I'll contribute to it. So whoever wants to win it, just uh, tell me what they you bet. Uh, you 50-50. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. I've just been, I'm trying to get my stream back going too. So I'm been working on some of that stuff and I got all this stuff organized today for the, our stream. And then as soon as I had it running to start today, it crapped out. So the first little bit of the stream tonight was a little uh, frozen and David was cut off for some reason, but we'll, uh, I fixed it and we got going just growing pains of the uh, beta iRacers lounge podcast broadcast frozen, like frozen cactus. Sure. Yeah. You guys got frozen cactus. All right. Final thoughts. Tony grows. Well, Brian, I'll be joining you lots on track this weekend. Cause I am very much in the same boat as you. I've never ran a 24. I've never ran a multi-class road deal. And I'm I probably got close to the same amount of experience in that car. Um, I did actually buy it two years ago and did a little bit of practicing, but uh, what does that translate to today? Not a, not a whole bunch. So um, yeah, well, I'll be uh, spending as much time as I can this weekend um, uh, out on the track. Uh, what else we got going on? We got aftermath happening uh Saturday, and it is just going to be the three of us this week. So really looking forward to that. 
Um, love having guests, but at the same time, also love, uh, you know, just, just the three of us kind of hanging out for an hour. So uh, look for that uh, Saturday-ish. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Okay, very good. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, man, these Coke announcements. We know everybody has been picked because the deadline, I think, was Tuesday night. But not everybody's been announced. They've only announced maybe 25% of the drivers. Uh, why are we having to wait for this? I don't know. But uh, I'm sure it has to do with sponsorship and different things being lined up behind the scenes. But I uh, was hoping to have all the announcements uh, by the for this show but uh, I was kind of surprised that, you know, we didn't get all of them. So that's been kind of uh, interesting. The other thing is uh, the realization that I'm not going to be in the top split or even the, excuse me, the first division or the second division in NIS. It's kind of looking like I'm going to be third division. And uh, why? Well, I ran, you know, season three and season four of the NASCAR Legends and the Sprint Cup uh, pavement, Sprint Car pavement. And uh, that killed my I rating. It went from like a you know thirty two hundred down to twenty two hundred, and uh, you know started doing a little bit of fixed oval to bring it up, but it's not going to be enough. Um, I don't see me gaining a thousand I rating between now and the five hundred, but I'm going to try. I'm going to keep running those fix at Texas. Uh, I might do another one tonight and just try to grind it out and see if I can knock it back up. Um, it's a shame that I have to give up those series, you know, based on the NIS, but I don't want to end up in bottom split either. So it's a fine balance. I'm trying to find it. Hey, Mike, one thing I forgot to say too, we forgot to uh, talk about the uh, schoolyard setups thing uh, here too. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, Mike Morley had something come up in his personal life that he can no longer, uh, do the schoolyard setup website so um we've we wish him well and whatever uh is going on and uh hopefully maybe someday he could come back and do it again but uh other than that um he's not going to be able to provide setups anymore i believe we did find out that he was refunding some of the stuff back um so uh hopefully it goes well for uh, i hope hopefully it doesn't inconvenience too many people here and from the lounge obviously we're not being sponsored by them anymore um so other than that uh well it's gonna suck for us going into the nis i think um, we were really counting on those setups as a starting point so i think as a team tofosi is going to have to figure out what we're going to do setup wise uh we're back at square one we'll, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it i guess we got uh, plenty of time still. Looks like the first couple of weeks we can get away with some stuff because it'll be Daytona and then the Daytona road course. So I feel okay for a restrictor plate and then the road course right away and Homestead. Okay. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play facebook and twitter see you on the track